It's Thursday, March 14th. Welcome to our new podcast, Skim This. Every Monday through Friday at 5 p.m., we're breaking down the biggest, most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. There's a fierce debate going on about the census and whether or not to ask if someone is a U.S. citizen. We want to connect the dots on how it could have an impact on you. Then, he blew up your Twitter feed. Former Texas Congressman Beto O'Rourke just made a grand entrance. But will he crush the crowded 2020 race? We'll give you what you need to know about him. And it's Pie Day, also known as Nerds Eating Dessert. Count us in. We're here to make your Thursday smarter. Let's skim this. So the most complicated story of the day is about the census. U.S. Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross was in the hot seat in Congress today, answering questions about the 2020 census form. The Trump administration wants to ask people whether they are U.S. citizens. And Democrats are pretty mad about it. Mr. Secretary, you lied to Congress, you misled the American people, and you are complicit in the Trump administration's intent to suppress the growing political power of the non-white population. This is an issue that the administration has been fighting in court for months. There have been lots of lawsuits over it. The Trump administration has tried everything they can to protect Ross from having to answer questions about it. They even tried to delay today's testimony. But clearly, that didn't work. So here's the question. Why is asking if someone is a U.S. citizen such a big deal? We're going to get into it. First, quickly, a census 101. Second, why this question is a big deal for immigrants. Spoiler, there's some history here. And third, why it could have a trickle effect that would impact basically everyone. Okay, so first, real quick, Census 101. Every 10 years, the federal government takes a roll call of all the people currently living in the U.S. It's required by the Constitution. They send everyone a census form, and it's kind of nosy. They want to know your name, who's living with you, your race, and sometimes your relationship status. Until 2000, only about one out of every six households were asked whether or not they were U.S. citizens. But not everyone. Now, the Trump administration wants to put it on every census form. That's the quick overview. So second point, and it may seem kind of obvious, immigrants and immigrant advocates are pretty upset about this. Here's why it's a big deal for them. So the census is supposed to count everyone living in the U.S., not just U.S. citizens. And like we said, the census can get really personal, like in-your-face personal. If someone doesn't fill out the census, the Bureau will often send a census worker to their door to follow up. Federal agents showing up at their homes or work is something immigrant communities have seen a lot of lately. And it usually doesn't go well for them. The Trump administration has given Immigration and Customs Enforcement broad power to track down undocumented immigrants and take them into custody. And ICE has been doing that left and right, not just the people with criminal backgrounds. So immigrant communities, even people who are in the U.S. legally, with green cards or visas, are worried that the government getting nosy will mean more of those knocks on the door. It's important to note here, it's technically illegal for the federal government to use census data to track people down. But it has happened before. During World War II, the federal government used census data to round up Japanese Americans and put them in internment camps. The Trump administration says that's not what they're doing here. 
but recent crackdowns on undocumented immigrants have made all immigrants nervous. So people are worried that instead of answering the census form, immigrants will toss it in the trash, try to avoid the census taker altogether. And that means they won't be counted. But that wouldn't just have an impact on them. It would be a huge problem for them and for everyone. Here's why. Like we said, the census counts people. But why do those numbers matter? Well, the government takes that census data, how many people lived where, how old they are, etc., and then uses it to decide all kinds of things. It decides how much money states and districts get for road work and for hospitals or for disaster preparedness in case of a big storm, how much they have for school lunch programs and lots of other things that have to do with education, and a lot more. It's a huge long list for the next 10 years. Which means if millions of immigrants living in the country decide not to answer the census, the states where they live won't get the right amount of funding for all those things for a decade. And most importantly, how many people live in a given area dictates how many congressional districts each state gets and where they are. So representation in Washington is directly tied to the census. So it's not just non-Americans. Everyone living in those areas loses when people don't fill out the census form. So what's the skin? The Trump administration says they want this information so the government knows how many voters are in the U.S. U.S. citizens equal voters. A federal judge said he doesn't buy that explanation. So now this question is going to the Supreme Court. The justices will hear arguments on this in April and decide by June. That's right when the Commerce Department has to send the census questionnaire to the printer. So this is a situation that is moving fast and can change at any moment. And it's making everyone nervous. The census form is not the only questionnaire that's getting longer. The Democratic primary just added another name. That story's coming up next. So you've probably read or heard the name Beto O'Rourke sometime today. There's been a lot of loud whispering for months about whether he'd jump into the 2020 race. And today, that became a full-on shout. O'Rourke posted this video. This moment of peril produces perhaps the greatest moment of promise for this country and for everyone inside of it. Promise and peril. He used that a couple of times. And then he headed straight to Iowa to jump on the campaign trail. So today, we're going to bring you three things to know about Beto O'Rourke. First, his name is pronounced Beto, not Beto. It's short for Robert. Second, Beto O'Rourke won by losing in Texas. O'Rourke is the former Texas congressman who almost threw Ted Cruz out of his Senate seat, which was a big deal. He would have been the first Democrat elected to a statewide office in Texas in a long time, but he didn't win. He did get some street cred among young progressives. He was in a punk band in college. During the campaign, he posted videos that look like your little cousin's YouTube channel. All right, everybody share this. Beto O'Rourke is on a skateboard in a Whataburger parking lot. I don't know if it gets more Beto. He was big on social, speaks Spanish, and ran a super grassroots campaign. And after he lost, he kept it up with long blog posts. He's also gotten some attention for taking on President Trump. O'Rourke is from El Paso, Texas, right on the U.S.-Mexico border. Just a few days after Trump was sworn in, O'Rourke called building the wall a, quote, racist act. And then when Trump came to El Paso to hold a rally last month, O'Rourke gave a speech, too, at the opposition rally. 
Let's own this moment and the future and show the country there is nothing to be afraid of when it comes to the U.S.-Mexico border. So that's the promise. But what's the potential peril for O'Rourke? That's the third thing to know. We're still 600 days away from Election Day. But O'Rourke is pretty late showing up to this party. He's the 18th person to get in the game, and he's a white guy in a very diverse, very experienced 2020 field. We're talking Senators Cory Booker, Kirsten Gillibrand, Kamala Harris, Amy Klobuchar, Elizabeth Warren, Representative Tulsi Gabbard, former HUD Secretary Julian Castro, and Washington outsider entrepreneur Andrew Yang. Not to mention the other two white guys, Bernie Sanders and the one everyone's still waiting on, former VP Joe Biden. They're older but have a lot more name recognition. And compared to almost everyone on that list, O'Rourke doesn't have much of a political record to show off. He didn't have a signature policy issue as a congressman, and his voting record was, on average, more conservative than about three-quarters of other House Dems. So there's promise and peril. We've got more on all the 2020 presidential candidates in a guide on our website. You can check it out at theskim.com. So it's Women's History Month, and today we bring you Christina Koch. She's a NASA astronaut, and she just took off in a rocket from Kazakhstan. And liftoff. We have liftoff of Let's Nick go. Hay, Christina Cook, and Alexei Ovchinin now on their way to the International Space Station. She and her crewmates are expected to dock at the International Space Station around 9 o'clock Eastern tonight. They'll be on the ISS for six months. NASA put out this video about her, and she's pretty badass. She took a motorcycle trip across the United States solo. I learned a lot about self-reliance, planning, and also just enjoyed every minute of kind of seeing the country go by. And later this month, Coke is going to make history. She'll be part of the first all-women spacewalk. We talked about it last week. We want to hear more stories about women you think are reaching new heights. Just like we did last week, we're asking you to send us your pitches for Friday's Woman of the Week. Give us a call and leave us a voicemail tonight telling us about a woman who inspired you. 646-461-6370. Don't worry, that number's in the show notes. You might hear your voice on the show tomorrow. So Christina Cook's space launch, it went up at 3.14 p.m. Eastern. Why is that relevant? Today's 3.14, and it's pie day. So everyone's eating pie and talking about it. And so, of course, we've got some fun facts about it. First, math nerds love to calculate pi. It's a thing. Today, Google employee Emma Haruka Iwao and her team set the Guinness World Record by calculating pi to 31.4 trillion digits long. Yeah, 31.4 on pi day. Probably not a coincidence. It took her four months and 170 terabytes of data storage. According to Google, that's roughly the same amount of data of the print collection in the entire Library of Congress. And she's the third woman to set the world record for this. And while you're deciding whether to eat pumpkin, apple, or lemon, a second fun fact. Two of the most famous theoretical physicists are tied to Pi Day. Albert Einstein was born on Pi Day in 1879. And Stephen Hawking died on Pi Day last year. Math mind blown. And that's all for Skim This. It's been a crazy week, so thank you so much for listening, subscribing, and leaving us reviews. We hope you keep telling all your friends and join us again tomorrow night. Also, we'd love to know what you think. 
head over to theskim.com forward slash feedback to share your thoughts. And you can enter into a random drawing for a chance to win a $100 prize just for taking the survey. 